Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Today, our reading, The Heavenly Election, 2 Peter 1.10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. That's 2 Peter 1.10. I believe that's referring to the first part of 2 Peter chapter 1, which reveals Peter's ladder, the steps that we take. And it says here, if we give diligence and do these things, we'll never fall. This is the only election regarding which the Bible speaks. Fallen in sin, we may become partakers of the divine nature and attain to a knowledge far in advance of any scientific learning. Scientific learning is dependent upon the minds of men and as we know we uh, have not ascended yet and we don't know everything and we make mistakes by partaking of the flesh and the blood of our crucified Lord we shall gain life eternal in the sixth of John we read whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life John six fifty four. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. That's verse 63. None need lose eternal life. I said none. We don't need to lose eternal life. Everyone who chooses daily to learn of the heavenly teacher will make his calling and election sure. Let's humble our hearts before God and follow on to know him. Whom to know aright is life eternal. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11. Here are your life insurance papers. This is not an insurance policy, the value of which someone else will receive after your death. No, it's a policy that assures you a life, measuring with the life of God. Even eternal life. What an assurance. What a hope. Let's ever reveal to the world that we are seeking for a better country, even a heavenly. Heaven has been made for us, and we fought a part in it. We can't afford to allow anything to separate us from God and heaven. So in this life, we must be partakers of the divine nature. On our own, we're not able because we're fallen, but we can be partakers of the divine nature, even though we can't see it, see it, feel it, <coughs> touch it. We can be partakers. Brethren and sisters, you have only one life to live. That's it. Let it be a life of virtue, a life hid with Christ in God. Unitedly, we are to help each other gain perfection of character. To this end, we are to cease all criticism. Onward and still onward, we may advance toward perfection, until at last there will be ministered unto us an abundant entrance into the heavenly kingdom. So, I had to look up the definition of election. I, I'm sure we understand what it is, because we have elections all the time in which we choose somebody for office. But I looked it up in the 1828 Noah Webster's Dictionary because occasionally you can learn something really good when we do that. <coughs> and it says here, that, oh, I'm not reading, <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm not reading the whole thing, just parts that seem to apply. 
the act of choosing or selecting, and number five definition was what I just selected, divine choice, predetermination of God, by which persons are distinguished as objects of mercy and become subjects of grace, sanctified and prepared for heaven. So predetermination, that just brought up a question about um, predetermination, didn't it? How could we make our election sure if we're predetermined? So, um, this, since understanding God's word, it requires rightly dividing the word of truth. And we know that when you understand it such that there's no disagreement, and when there's complete agreement between everything that the Bible says, then you have the truth. That can be kind of tricky at times. That's why it requires um, discernment. And we need to pray when we read God's word. So first, God paid a terrible price to give us freedom of choice. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him might not perish but have everlasting life. So they're giving us a choice to believe in him. It's not predetermined without our choice. We have choice. And so if this weren't true, why would he choose to die Give us another probation, another chance to choose to trust and obey him if, if it's all predetermined. Um, so we can choose. And the word of God says that the wages of sin is death. So if you choose to do the work, you're going to get the pay. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's Romans 6, 23. But today we're reading about the heavenly election in 2 Peter 1, 10. This is the only election spoken of in the Bible. But we're told how to be included by partaking of the flesh and blood of Jesus. So, uh, God knows what we're going to do ahead of time, doesn't he? We can choose, we can change our mind a hundred times. We're told how to be included by partaking of the flesh and blood of Jesus. John 6.54 explains, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Then he says, The words that I speak unto you, that's John 6.63. So he explains that through reading and assimilating the word of God, it becomes a part of us, just like digesting food gives us life. Because in our bodies, through micronage and millimicronage and millimicronage, the food that we eat becomes assimilated until it become, actually shows up in our body as flesh and as having an effect on us. And his word becomes our spiritual life. It becomes our character. Also called in scripture, the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So we have the mind of Christ. And it's through his word, assimilation of his word, that we can develop that mind. We're told to give diligence to make our calling and election sure. That's Second Peter 1, 10 and 11 once again. So it just merely means that he knows ahead of time what we're going to believe. And though we are completely free to change our mind 1,000 times, he will still know what we're going to choose. So that's predetermination. It's just that he knows. 
So we read that we are to help each other to gain perfection of character. And that to do this, we are to cease all criticism. I think that we can underline that. We each are to advance toward perfection in our own lives. And so I infer from this that, you know, our example and love will do more to help each other gain perfection than criticism, don't you think? Perfect. Criticism doesn't do very much for anyone. But God's word says to not judge our brother. That's Matthew 7, 1 through 5. And that says um, here, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, or the speck of dust? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull that mote out of thine eye, and behold a beam, or a whole log is in your own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. So he's giving us instructions that we are to work on our own obedience and also to love our brothers. And that will have a very powerful influence to help them uh, in their path. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. That's 1 John 1, 5. And 1 John 1, verse 10 says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, so we can abide in God. I found a promise in 1 John 3, 6. And I'm going to go ahead and read that, if I can get over there here. First John 1, 6. There's a promise. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm totally in the wrong chapter. Okay, our promise. Um, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So there's a promise that if we abide in him, we will not sin. And uh, what is sin? Don't go comparing it to all absolute perfection or ultimate absolute perfection. That's God. We do not have absolute ultimate perfection. We are on a path of growth of sanctification throughout our lifetime. And so a seed is perfect at its stage. When it gets its little root, it's perfect at that stage. Perfect just means complete. And if we're not sinning, if we're not in open rebellion or at enmity with God, then he will accept us in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and we abide in him and we won't sin. <clears throat> okay. And the Bible's definition of sin is breaking of his law. And of course, we know that his law has a spiritual application. Let's abide in him today, brothers and sisters. I'm going to have to be careful or I'm going to take off on some other subject. Um. Let's close in prayer. Dear Jesus, Lord, help us to abide in you today. That you are the answer. You are our righteousness. You are our eye salve. You can give us your faith, your gold, which is gold tried in the fire. Faith that works by love. Help us, Lord, today to abide in you, to trust in you, to surrender to you, to find that you are our life. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today, brothers and sisters. I'll see you in the morning. God bless you today.